You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. Thanks be to God for your presence here and for the opportunity. Let me ask you a question kind of to lead in. Um, when was the last time you broke out in song that you were so overjoyed, that you were so enthusiastic, that you were so relieved that the pent-up emotion in you turned into song. When I started asking myself that same question, I came up with sports events. <laughs> so it took me, for whatever reason, it popped way in, right? I used to take my pre-teenage sons, they were 12, 13, and that, to a ball game. And we'd go watch the Texas Rangers. And uh, at that time, seats were decently priced, so I could afford to take them and buy some food to eat. And, Texas Rangers were not the big show they are today, and it was in a smaller stadium. Anyway, so we'd get there, and it was always hot in Texas. We'd have little side bets with the boys about what inning it would be when the temperature fell below 90. I mean, it was, it was just that kind of thing going on. But they had a, a tradition, is that when the Texas Rangers knocked out one of the reliever, one of the pitchers for the opposing team, you know how that goes if you're not a baseball fan. The manager goes out there and gets the baseball from him, and the pitcher who's been beaten would then walk off the field kind of dejected and go to the dugout. We would break out in song. The entire stadium would break out in song as soon as that pitcher took his first step with this song that would be blared out over the... Everybody would be singing and it would be blared out over the speakers. It was... Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit. Let's do it together. Hit. No, 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 let's not. I thought, too, especially with my mom in town, uh, she's a diehard Cub fan, that is another time when uh, fans would break out in song. When the Cubs win, which happens less than half the time, um, the um, fans would hang out a W and sing... Go, Cubs, go. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? Cubs are going to win today. I asked if the band would start that as sort of a lead song, and I just got a funny look. So, So point being, sports events give us lots of opportunity to sing, to break out in song. And you can see where I was obviously going with this. The likelihood is we usually don't. It's usually part of a larger crowd or group or setting. So Mary breaks out in song, and that's what we're going to focus on, with keen insight into the way in which God is in her life, in the world, and in the generations to come. What my hope and prayer is, is that you will find the song in your heart, that you will find an opportunity to break out in song and thanksgiving to God over the next couple of weeks sometime that, look, not because things are going well, not because you're on top of the world, not because you're disease-free, and uh, not because you got a great report. Those are good opportunities to thank God. But because God is in the midst of the chaos, because God is in the midst of your pain, because God is in the midst of your humiliation, because God is in the midst of your degradation, because God is in the midst of your sin. And then when you realize God has come to visit you in that state, 
that you didn't have to be something you weren't, you didn't have to go someplace you didn't want to go, you didn't have to accomplish something that was all up to you. God visited you, and he knows. He knows your hurt, your pain, your sorrow, your humiliation. We're going to unfold that. Can I get this screen, Janan, to come on so that I can control the length? There's no signal. Magnificent and Magnificat. Once again, our remote is malfunctioning, so we have the marvelous opportunity to watch this. Janen, go. Oh, that's pretty. So what I want to start with first is sort of a broad, broad point of view. I'll talk about what happens with music in general. Scientists have learned that music's effect on the brain can become addictive. Isn't that interesting, addictive? Acting out of the same parts of the brain as illegal drugs, but without the side effects. How nice is that? No side effects. Singing can help improve psychological well-being and reduce symptoms of agitation, anxiety, and depression. Encourages the brain to release feel-good chemicals such as endorphins and helps to strengthen neural pathways and increase neuroplasticity. I love that word, neuroplasticity. The brain's ability to change and adapt to new experiences. So these are things that we may know intuitively, or maybe you know this actually just in reality yourself, but singing, song, music has that opportunity. Musicians know this inherently. But there's more to it. This is your brain. This is your body on music. Jane, the next one. It may help lower stress, boost immunity and lung function, enhance memory, improve mental health, and help you cope with physical and emotional pain. Huh. One of the best things about, being, about singing is that you don't have to be good at it to reap the rewards. And for many of us, that's really a good thing. <laughs> Singing actually integrates parts of the brain and releases all kinds of chemicals. But this is the more interesting one that I just discovered. Those things I kind of knew, but this, this one I didn't know. Next slide, Jane. Neuroscience magnifies the unity of many singing together. From Healthline, what has not been understood until recently is that singing in groups triggers the communal release of serotonin and oxytocin the bonding hormone, and even synchronizes our heartbeats to see what scripture says about singing kind of before we get in focused on the text. Next slide, Jaden. Magnifying Jesus' presence among us. John alluded to this. I want to come back and emphasize it. It's really a central and powerful point for this Advent. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How's that happen? Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. How's that happen? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The encouragement, again, is the kind of feel-good, the kind of connection, the kind of bonding, which is physiological, psychological, emotional. And we felt just a little touch of with singing to mom. Can you just feel that? I know it's my mom. It felt really good for the congregation to join in. That is magnified when we join hearts and voices together and sing in thankfulness to God. There's one more text I want you to take a look at first. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. What makes the magnificent Magnificat so magnificent? Let's dive in. Next. Magnifies. I got to put up a Greek word, John, because I know that you do. So I thought I can put up Greek words too. I'm gonna get beat by some modern-day young kid. 
Definition, to make and declare great, enlarge, lengthen, increase, magnify, extol. So my question to you is, whom do you magnify? Do people look at you, your actions, your spirit, and say, there is God, there is the Lord, there is... Or do they look at you like they look at me and go, there is trouble. <laughs> That's not going to work. That's magnifying. Who are you magnifying? You know, those of us who are parents and grandparents uh, certainly know what that's about, right? To watch your kids raise a house. I learned as a pastor and as a marriage and family therapist that what happens in the home gets magnified in the classroom and in groups. And you can listen to the speech and some of the words that come into their lives. Because that's what's being magnified is what's happening in that home. Our life magnifies something or somebody. Whose does your magnify? It's kind of the open question. Next. There's an ancient penalty. Let's get the context going on here. Zero in on the text. Ancient penalty for out-of-wedlock pregnancy. From Genesis, the story of Tamar. About three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law has been immoral. Moreover, she is pregnant by immorality. And Judah said, bring her out and let her be burned. Oh, he's not talking metaphorically there either. Or the standard from Leviticus, if a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Which is an interesting connection to the John chapter 8 experience where Jesus, or they caught a woman in the act of adultery, in the very act, and the Pharisees want to stone her. Remember that story? And going on. But notice who is visibly absent <laughs> from that accusation? The man. So there's a likelihood it was one of them. Jesus bends down to write a name in the sand, and we don't know who that is. We're not going to know until eternity. But it's going to be one of my first questions. If there are questions in heaven, which I don't think there are, who did Jesus write down in the sand? I think he wrote down the name of the man. And it was one of the Pharisees. But that's my hypothesis. That's not biblical. Um, I have to say that. Yeah. Point of being is that she's in a state of humiliation. So this is an out-of-wedlock young lady in a culture that burns, stones, shames, magnifies. So can you imagine, just for a moment, the terror and the angst going on inside of her when the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will call his name Jesus. Again, a Carl Gaelic interjection. It's not in the scriptures, but I got to imagine that she just thought in a minute herself, I believe you. Would you please go tell my parents? <laughs> Mom and Dad, I know that I'm pregnant, but it's by, not by Joseph. It's not by anybody in the community. It's by the Holy Spirit. Run that up your parents' flagpole for a while. Not going to happen. She was, as soon as she agreed to do what she was doing, she was facing shame, death. She was facing all kind of um, difficulty. That's why Joseph wanted to divorce her quietly. He was doing her a favor to try to keep this under the rug in that time and era. So her song doesn't come from a new relief picture, an overrated joy. does not come from exaltation, but from realization that God is in the midst of some real, real difficult, tricky time. 
Can you see the lesson that's coming forward for Christmas? God doesn't, have, he doesn't want us dressed up and ready for him so that we reach a certain level, we get a, to a certain place, but rather wants to visit us in our pain. How many of us have spent time covering our pain? That's kind of the way to go. I did a lot of uh, coaching for pastors while I was with uh, Lutheran Church Extension Fund as a consultant and did a lot of studying up on pastors and my own behavior as a pastor and found out that we are one of the worst professions for hiding and covering up. Why? Because we know and learn really, really well how to project what the congregation and people want a pastor to be. The problem with that is that by covering that up, it boils underneath and it causes greater and greater issues. And the cover-up continues rather than allowing God to come in and to heal the guilt, the shame, the pain, the hurt. True for all of us. True specifically and especially with clergy who have to interject with people and have to carry a reputation into the community and with the congregation. But if you're trying to accomplish something and dig deep in yourself that has to affect who you are, you start a cover-up that begins to shield people you love, people in the, in the clergy's case, the congregation. And what Mary has done is expose that and say, okay, God, here, come on in. We're going to be a rough ride, but we're going to do it together. For he hath regarded the humble state, the point of ocean, the difficulty, the humiliation, the pain, the awkwardness. Next. The virgin conception magnifies a number of things, three key issues, why the, the virgin conception is so critical. Fulfilling prophecy foretold by the birth of a, a child from a virgin 700 years before. It talks about Jesus' divinity, the divine nature, and pre-existence, fully human and fully God. I wrote a paper in seminary. It's my first realization of the pre-existence of Christ. And there is an uh, article that comes along with uh, a phrase, the angel of the Lord. And Jesus appears much throughout the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord in other places and times. So he was always around in some sort of mysterious place. And that's part of the duty. He's, he's now been around for a long time. He's not new. He's just taking on humanity. Jesus' sinlessness, perfect sacrifice. So this is the kind of the theology and the push and the reason why this is such a critical piece to not only proclaim, but to believe and understand that God not only enters our world and our life, but visits us in our deepest humiliation. Next. Magnifying God's justice and intervention. Mary proclaims that God will scatter the proud with the thoughts of their hearts, bring down the powerful from their thrones, and lift up the lowly. This message resonated deeply with the marginalized and oppressed, offering hope for a world where tables would be turned. John, you mentioned it too. I'd already framed this up. Uh, preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why did the psalm include in the presence of my enemies? But to give us opportunity to realize that God has entered into our lives, changed us, invited us to the table, and those who are proud in their own hearts stand and watch. Next. Magnifying God's power in the powerless. She recognized her own lowliness and declares that all generations will call me blessed. Not because of her own merits, but because of God's grace and mercy upon her. This humility makes her song all the more powerful and relatable. 
magnifies our new hope for deliverance. The Magnificat speaks of God's faithfulness and promises to deliver her people. Mary, through her song, embodies the hope and anticipation of a coming Messiah who will usher in a new era of justice and peace. This message continues to offer hope and comfort to people facing challenges and injustice in their own lives, by way of summary. Next, magnifies God's grace through generations, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as our promised our ancestors. God has been working on this plan since Abraham's time, is still working the plan generation to generation to generation. It just doesn't go away. Those of us who have now some generations to look back on, like my mom, we're going to go to Chicago and celebrate four generations at a family reunion. Fifty-four folks are going to be there, Lord willing, doing that. And you can watch the presence of God from generation to generation. If you've been to reunions or have family and friends together, you can see the effect it has. Marriage and family therapists have two words. One is ascending change, one is descending. You can watch family chains go from bad to worse and every generation getting worse and worse, developing greater and greater symptoms and disease. Or you can watch what's called an ascending chain in clinical language and biblical language, the opportunity to watch God work his miracles and his grace and have impact from generation to generation. It always bothered me. Um, It always bothered me how in the Old Testament, uh, uh, Exodus chapter 20, I think it's verse 2, punishing the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation, but showing kessed, love and mercy for a thousand generations to those who love me began to realize that what Mary is singing about is she's watching the generations absolutely have the promise fulfilled and have impact from that point on. So a much longer story, but I did a generational impact on my own family, and I could see where there were, we had difficulties. When I had difficulties, I could see the generations of Gaelic's father-son relationships addressed to that and how God worked through those generations one at a time to bring him glory and honor and grace. Next. Magnificence, Magnificat. This is the power in Mary's song for the humiliated and the powerless. It's evidence that we're going to gather together with bread and wine and simple bread and wine are going to enter our bodies and enter our spirits and begin to have their change and their effect in their world and in this world through us. It's meant to empower us to give us his grace and his love and his mercy so that we can magnify him. Not because we made it, not because we got it right, not because we know the answers, not because we have peace of mind, but because we don't. And God has still visited us. And he is magnified because of it in his name. Amen.